We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Good evening, good evening. Welcome, everybody, to the 129th episode of the Eight Black Hands. Super excited to be here this evening. Going to do a quick whip around, see how folks are doing. Um, Mr. Ankrum, superintendent, PhD candidate. Why don't you start us off, bro? How was your week? How you doing? Yo, I, I, I feel like that didn't come from a place of love. That came and, from authentic and, and, love, bro. Authentic and, love and concern. That's how, That's how we start. I feel like I feel like it came from a place of hate. But all right, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I tonight I am repping. Uh, I'm spreading the I, hate like cream I cheese on a New York bagel. I'm repping a hoodie from Marshall High School. Marshall High School is a school in Middletown, Ohio. They um. It's like a credit recovery uh, type school, but they're doing phenomenal work in, in uh, Middletown, Ohio, uh, getting kids to college, also getting kids in career ready positions uh, to do good work in their community. So shout out to uh, the principal at, Mar- at uh, Chuck Hall at Marshall High School. That is who I am repping tonight. Let's go. That's what's up. That's what's up. Love out. Love to to the school in Ohio. Stewart, what you got? How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm glad to see y'all. Uh, you know, Ray. I don't know how, why you start with violence every right. Week. That, that's that's you know. <laughs> you just violence every week. That's just, New York nasty. You know what I mean? Is. New York nasty. <laughs> y'all got to come back to the Midwest. Get y'all kind of baptized in some manners. Uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Life is good. Life is good, man. Every week, say the same thing because God implores me to say the same thing. I'm blessed. In a world right now, I have shelter. I have food. Uh, you know, I have warmth and, and what I need. Uh, and the world doesn't have all of that right now. So I can't complain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Cole. Man. You know good. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm glad I was able to make it, brother. And be here with you and for you. Somebody can echo, but uh, we'll work it out. But um, I'm, I'm just happy to be here, man. And uh, hey, y'all, this COVID stuff is real. Um, interesting family text, but I will just say uh, I'm lifting my, my cousin up in prayer. He's on the ventilator, and I heard he was off of it today. So hopefully, I'm mm. hoping that that is the case. And uh, definitely don't want to have a number 10 this year. So um, yeah. But, but but the service in Oakland for my first lady was beautiful. We had some church. We had church, man. It was good. It was mm-hmm. the happiest funeral I've ever been to. So it was just good to see that family and to be back here and then getting ready to leave again in the morning. So I'm blessed, brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, make sure you take care of yourself with all these, these flights and, and, uh, and the stress and all of that, you know, taking care of family. So <laughs> with that, it's like, I'm good. <laughs> all right. Well, look, I'm, I'm excited that we got Dr. Misha Mosley um, on the show this evening um, to have this conversation about not only her work, um, but what she's hearing from black teachers and really want to um, talk about what's, what was happening in Waukesha, Wisconsin, that we all were uh, chiming in about a little bit, you know. Um, but let me just read Dr. Mosley's bio and then we're going to hear from her about how she's doing. She just had a, a dope uh 
Well, I'll let her share what she did this uh, past couple of days. But Dr. Misha Mosley is the founder and director of the Black Teacher Project, a program of the National Equity Project committed to developing a black teaching force to transform schools in, into communities of liberated learning. Prior to leading this work, Dr. Mosley was a national training specialist with the Posse Foundation. Dr. Mosley began her career as a high school social studies teacher before earning her PhD in education from UC Berkeley. She is a published researcher whose work focuses on race and professional development. She is also, check this out, a successful theater artist and performer. Dr. Mosley tours the nation with her socio-political stand-up comedy. And you can learn more at www.mishamosley.com and www.blackteacherproject.org. We'll put both of those in the uh, in the chat so you can check those out. And Dr. Mosley, welcome. We're so excited Thank to you. have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to be here. I love Tell it. the audience a little bit about the what's not on the bio and particularly ah. what you did this uh, this past uh, week. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, well, I think as of yesterday, I'm now identifying as a runner. I ran a 5K yesterday. Mm. I've run, walked them before, but yesterday was the first time I ran the whole thing. It nice. was slow and steady. Mm. Like the lesson, I'm just going to start with the big lesson. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. <laughs> run your race. That's right. That's right. So run your I was race. Like, I was trying right. to beat some time from 2011. And I don't necessarily have 2011 legs. <laughs> so I had to come to terms with these 2021 legs. But uh, the goal I had to, to really just get the mental and physical aligned, uh, I didn't realize, how, you know, I'm, I'm new to running. I didn't realize how much of a mental um, piece it is. And it really is. So that felt really good. Um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I'm in Brooklyn right now. Um, I would say I, I grew up in Brooklyn. I got grown in the Bay Area. Um, and so I'm just, I'm really feeling for so much in between, like this coast to coast and everything in between. Um, and I'm really excited to be here. You know, I've gotten some text messages and, and shout outs from black teachers across the nation who are excited um, about this evening who are big fans and, and I'm just honored to be here. So thank y'all for having me. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, you, you're like, uh, like coal, you know, coast to coast, you know what I mean? Oh, Trailblazing no, 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 and all that. This brother, this brother, look, look, look. I, I do I nothing. Up, but he, he ain't dipping in the middle. He going around up the mountain <laughs> by the lake that they, they try to call a beach in Chicago. We're going to talk about that another time. <laughs> sure the ocean, so I'm not sure it's a beach. That's okay. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's but, yeah. sand though, right? For some Kind yes. of way. Did they import yes. that sand? Maybe listen. No, I was like, "Where is this from?" Listen, man, y'all. Y'all don't, don't know how big yeah. that y'all don't know how big that lake is. I'm just exactly. gonna tell you right now. You, you, they people drowning in it like Absolutely. it's an ocean. Well, and what's true is when I looked at it, I couldn't see the other side, so I was mm -hmm. like, "Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. I guess it's great. I get the the concept mm -hmm. of it. It's the, it's the greatest the lake. lake. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> West in it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Hey, well, well, Reef, don't, don't let them take over your show. No, it's good. Well, oh, I hear sorry. a little yeah, bit no, of an echo no, no, no. too. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's uh, Miss Misha. She doesn't have headphones on, so okay. uh, Misha, when you're not talking, we gonna mute you. We got you. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Misha, one thing about the race that I that you did share that I want I want to um because I think is germane to the conversation. You know, while you were focused on your own race, something happened towards the end um, where you saw another runner. 
so, you know, I think that's pertinent to the work that you do as well. Um, and so then we're going to flow right into what you're doing uh, with black teachers, because you and I, I, I think the first time I had heard about you, the first time I met you in person was at the U.S. Department of Education down in the lobby. And we were introduced. I was like, I know her already. Like, at least I, I had read your work and saw what you were doing and supporting, you know, educators across the, the country and really uplifting black educators. Um, so I want to, you know, if you can talk about that and then go into what's going on at the Black Teacher Project. Why did you found it? Um, what got you into education? All, all that good stuff. And why this so the wait, work you're wait, doing wait, is wait. important. So y'all both turned down jobs in the Biden administration? <laughs> Um, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is, we're talking about years ago, bro. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Good, good move if you did. If you did, right. pass it up. No, good that, move that if you not, did. That, that no. was not that was not true for me. That was not all the way true for me. Um, okay, so I'll start I'll start with yesterday. So I'm running the 5K. We're about half a mile from the finish, and I see this sister who I had been running near. For most of it, like with a lot of these, you kind of see your people, you see the people who, you know, they might be in front, they might be behind, but like, who's in your sphere? But as we got close to the end, she was struggling. And I was, you know, I could see the finish line off in the distance and I got excited, but I slowed down and I was just giving her an encouraging word. And I was like, you got this, you got this. And she's like, thank you. And she kind of shooed me forward. Um, but I was like, no nah, fam, we in this together. Like I'm not, we just ran this thing. I'm not going to just leave you. And so I slowed down so she could catch her breath and we ran together. And in the end, she caught her breath and she's like, you ready? And I'm like, I'm ready. And then we actually sprinted to the end and ran together and crossed the finish line together. I didn't know her. We said, congratulations. And I haven't, I never saw her again, but for me, I'm not going to see a black person struggle and, and not, and not be able to pause and and not just like, good luck, but like, no, let me know that you are not, a, let me let you know you're not alone in this. So that was important to me and unexpected because at that point I was also just trying to get to the finish line myself, hmm. but hmm. Um, it was important to me. And I didn't, you know, you see those things on the, on the, the, the Olympic or whatever it is, you see the like people who, and I'm like, oh, that's so nice. That's so whatever. So it was wild. I didn't expect it to happen, but I feel like, to your point, it is uh, very connected to the Black Teacher Project. So, you know, I taught, like I said, I'm originally from Brooklyn. I moved to the Bay Area to teach in San Francisco in 1995. Um, I say that because anybody who was alive in 1995 knows that the internet was, I mean, technically there was internet, mm -hmm. but like all this that we doing, that wasn't happening then, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I love teaching. I wanted to teach since I was 15 years old oh, wow. and I found myself getting pushed out of teaching. Um, and so this, this, this black teacher experience where we come from the heart, we come from legacy, we come from histories and herstories and people don't want to listen to us. Brooklyn in the background, don't mind that siren. You know, it's just somebody saying, Hey, <laughs> we're here too. In the house. <laughs> Why can't we be a part of the broadcast? <laughs> so they just wanted to do that. But anyway, um, so I left teaching, like y'all, like you said in my bio, got my PhD, and I was doing some professional development. So now that fast forward to 2014, and I run into a former student of mine, Belinda Bellinger, and 
she's teaching, but she's thinking about leaving the classroom. And I was like, why? The reasons that she listed what she wanted to do in terms of really helping young people be successful, but not by being robots, right? She had ideas, she had experiences, and she saw herself being pushed out. And I said, you know what? I can't let what happened to me happen to her. So that was the moment where I was like, I gotta do it. You know, I gotta, I, 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 don't, I didn't know it was gonna be the Black Teacher Project. I just, I literally founded this thing to support her and her teaching. And so, and it has evolved over the years. Like as she had a baby, I was like, oh, we need childcare at our events. I wasn't checking for childcare, but Belinda had a baby. So guess what? Now we got childcare. It's like that kind of stuff where her well-being and the well-being of the teachers around her helped me get out of my own story and get interested in what's, what's happening in the moment. Yeah. No, that's dope. I mean, yeah. So I think it's exactly comparable to what you did. You know, you saw someone struggling and you was like, you know what? We're going to lift as we climb, you know, as Mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, Mary Church Terrell, dope black educator, Hall of Famer used to say, lift as we climb, you know. Mm -hmm. So I want to get the fellas reaction to one, you know, a, a young sister, a teacher, Belinda, thinking like, hey, I need an exit strategy. Right. And we often talk about uh, this idea of mentorship and sponsorship, you know, that Chris delineated, you know, um, a couple of years ago of like, there's a difference. And you jumped into sponsorship, you know, not that mentorship is not important, but when it get, you know, the fellas reaction to to this idea of lifting as we climb, as we're in this space, talking about these eight million black children, you know, so Stuart, you want to start with you, bro. Mm. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I'm going to steal our host. I'm going to steal our, our, our guest's uh, bio one day, because all that that you said about her is what I want to say about myself. Right. <laughs> you know, she has done a lot. And, and uh, I was like thinking about all the connections and uh, and believe me, I'm, I'm dialed into everything that we're talking about. But I'm always amazed by who we have in our networks and how much brilliance there are in our networks and how the whole world works better that because we're connected to each other and we have connections. So as you were talking in the bio, I was thinking about the Posse Foundation. I did some work with them years ago and absolutely loved it. They solved the problem that I needed solved, which was uh, getting school boards to act and behave better. Uh, And they had a program out of the Posse Foundation. I also remember something out of Posse Foundation, if I remember right, uh, there's a Posse Foundation. That I'm, I'm, I'm just making connections. There's one in uh, Chicago that sends cohorts of students together to colleges so that they're not the onlys. Mm-hmm. So when they go into these PWIs, they're in cohorts. Network, again, go network. Community. Yeah, yeah, go community. Move as a team, right? Mm-hmm. And move mm-hmm. in community. So then I hear Dr. Mosley say, you know, she bumps into one of her f- first students and she invents a whole ass program <laughs> for this one person because who's in your network, right? This this young person now has someone in her network for lifelong who is feeding opportunity into or whatnot. That really, to me, is the real story of what we're talking about here right now. I know you want to talk about other things, but I just want to talk about it's all it's all connected, bro. How important and powerful it is to be a teacher in the classroom and out of the classroom and to stay in touch and to be together and have networks for students to grow up with social capital because they're connected to people who know things and can think, can do things and uh, 
uh, I know a doctor somebody, right? Like, I think y'all forget how important that is for some people in their networks. There's some people that got 50 of those in their network. There's some people that got eight of those in their network. There's some people got none of those in their network. And that's a different lifestyle, right? When people can open doors for you and and think ahead for you and see, I don't want you to leave the classroom. Uh, I don't want you daycare to be a barrier for you or whatnot. I'm just hearing all kinds of, this is the beautiful story right here. This is what we're supposed to be about. Yeah. No. Can I can I jump in real Please, quick? Please, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so thank you for that. And I want to, when when you were speaking, you made me think about um, the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond out of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. One of the things they they talk about is building a net that works. And so sometimes when we think about networks, it's about like. It's for yourself. It's like, who do I know? How can I get ahead? How can I use who I know to get ahead? And when I think about building a net that works, sometimes that net is holding other people. Sometimes you're held because you're connected and that's what's like buoying you. But when I think about the visual of building a net that works, there's there's something for me that um, is is really about how we are supporting a community and not just who's got the hookup. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciated your reflections. I'm gonna stop, but I just like, I had to say that because when you were speaking, it just like, it was on my heart. I was like, some folks just all want to like, yo, who can help me get here, get there, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, if you get that that working right. I know somebody like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I th- you know what, and, and go on, go on, Sharif, but I just want to add to it. Cause, no, cause, please, cause please. With the, with the After that, then with, with doctor. What Doc is saying to us right now, I don't want to lose this. This is beautiful to me. This is such an important message here, too. First of all, I love a net that works. But uh, Randall Pinkett once said, he, 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 if y'all don't know Randall Pinkett, he wrote a book called uh, Black Faces and White Spaces. And he said that uh, uh, we should be good descendants to our ancestors and good ancestors to our descendants. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, uh, we have to live up to what our ancestors uh, put before us. But some of us, especially in nonprofit world, but some of us don't know how to be good ancestors to our descendants. Uh, uh, um, too busy gatekeeping sometimes opportunity, mm. too busy wanting to stay in our role forever and not knowing when to move over. And th- what, what that lacks for us is we have to make a commitment to people younger than us that we're going to feed them every opportunity that comes across our desk, across our room and whatever. And and that's our job. Our job isn't to get positions and stay in those positions and then always looking for the hookup for self. It's really like, how can I be actually a resource to the younger people, whether that's a teacher, an educator, a mentor? Um, I have a stable of younger people, younger than me, that I know are brilliant and bright, are going to do great things. And I actively look for opportunities for them on a regular basis and like pass it on to them. Anyways, now I'm going to shut up. No, that's uh, a beautiful uh, thing. Anchoring what you got, bro. I mean, bro, her message is dope. I love it. Annette, that works. I feel like she's speaking to you directly, Sharif. (laughs) (laughs) Say more. Elaborate. I'm always trying to to get you to put me in the right spaces. And, you know, I feel like you never do. Nah, I'm joking. Nah, seriously. Uh, Between between you, between uh, uh, Dr. Robert Simmons, between Chris, between uh, Charles, and and some more uh, folks that are in my net work, um, 
I feel like we do an amazing job. We're like lifting each other. We're, we're giving each other opportunities um, and putting those opportunities in, in the forefront. Um, but I, I but, but what what most resonated for me um, was when. So I had a, I had a t- I have a teacher. She has a high schooler that's uh, in a in a district that's not in our, like a district outside of our school, right? And the rest of her kids go to go to our school. So she has her kids in in the Riverhead Charter School. Okay. And so there was a teacher that was teaching her high schooler that really like built this connection with him when everybody else was kind of casting him to the wayside and not really wanting to deal with him or whatever. Right. And so we happened to hire this teacher that had built the relationship with her son. And so she was like running around the building and kind of took up space in professional development to thank this teacher for what she had did for her son, right? And so it was just an amazing uh, thing to see um, when you intentionally want to hire and support uh, black teachers. And so, you know, a lot of people say it, it's in a lot of people's DEI statements, it's, uh, you know, but they're not living it, bro. And so I love to see people that come on our show, people that, um, that follow us that are actually living their creed in terms of wanting to put more black people in spaces uh, and not constrict them. So uh, thank you for bringing uh, Dr. Misha on. Appreciate it. No, absolutely. Cool. Here in the Bay Area. Dr. Misha. <laughs> you know, I uh, what's, her, what's her last name? What, what are you doing with white people do to, to our doctors? What's her last name? <laughs> Bro, don't do that, man. Why you always gotta everything's gotta be every, 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 y'all don't call me Misha and stop playing. <laughs> so, Dr. <laughs> Mosley, I uh, here we go, here we go, always uh, one. <laughs> nah, man, listen. Uh, well, one, Sharif, tell me your original question again because I'm gonna show her some love, but I want to make sure I also try to answer your question. You left it kind of open, brother. So, yeah, it is it? open. Is it, it, it was just a wide open question of like your reaction to, you know, what uh, Dr. Mosley shared, you know, about so her founding, her work, you know, et cetera. Yeah, I'm just a fan. Uh, uh, again, we we occupy the same city and the work that she does in Oakland and around Oakland is just, I mean, I think she's a young legend and, and I truly mean that. I think, you know, our we hear of each other and each other's work like we're in that same sphere but mm-hmm. I think the both of us just be really just working so much uh, like when we actually are in the same room we show each other a lot of love we usually get asked to be on the same panels like you know they usually want our opinions together um, mm-hmm. and it's really dope uh, I know one of her biggest cheerleaders and I don't know if she knows this uh, I learned about Dr. Mosley through Jamoke so mm-hmm. we had this uh, uh, you know we nice. Jamoke and I and Dirk and Benny mm-hmm. we built out this thing called State of Black Education Oakland and we started doing this award ceremony and every year uh, Jamoke is very uh, she's very direct about uh, certain people she wants to get awards and I feel like we <laughs> give I'm like we give Dr. Mosley an award every year we'll give her <laughs> get, give it to her again damn it uh, give her, so, her flowers That's so cool. you know I think I think that I, I think that the work that you do is amazing Dr. Mosley I think that like just having um the conversations around educators and you being a black woman leading it. I just think it's really, really dope and important. And so I'm just a fan. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of a lot of people like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I think that it's the way that you move. And that's the thing that we never talk about. We usually talk about people at the top of the summit, but we're not talking about them on their climb to it. And I feel like, you know, you did a really good job of being focused on what you do, not doing a whole bunch of other extra stuff and, 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 or like, um, 
you know, I think a lot of people, especially in the Oakland scene, uh, they do a lot of uh, placating. They do a lot of like kind of fronting, like they perform it. Like in, in Oakland, people perform wokeness all the time mm-hmm. and, and, and real folks don't really have time for that. And I, I think uh, Dr. Mosley's work is like, look, I want black educators, but I don't want you just because you black. Just because you black don't mean that you're going to be good. Like, I want good black educators. And I think that that's really important because we do have a lot of people that are not the best teachers, but because they black, got a big old bullhorn and interrupt a lot of stuff that's happening, stop a lot of progress for black people. But then you get people like Dr. Mosey that's like, the most revolutionary thing you could actually do at this moment is to actually be good at your damn job. And like, and, and I'll help you stay, but we gotta make you stay and be worth it. So that's my take on Dr. Great. Mosey. And that's, that's what I appreciate most because there are some people that just need the bodies and want the people. And Sharif, me and you have gotten into it about this a little bit because I'll be like, man, I know we'd be pushing to get more black educators, but some of these people, I don't know if I want them in front of my kids with that type of mindset that they got. And they and a lot of them don't think it's a lot of black people that don't think our kids can can be smart and learn certain things either. You'd be surprised. Well, we wouldn't be surprised on this panel, but I think that the general public would be surprised to hear what some of our own people say about our kids. And I appreciate somebody that focuses on student outcomes. Like black don't mean that students can't achieve. Like we might need to tweak some things, but uh, our kids are smart. So those are the flowers that I wanted to make sure I gave to Dr. Mosley in the moment. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, the thing I appreciate about about Dr. Mosley's work is the leadership. And and I remember a story you shared uh, previously. It started pretty early, right? Like you were a teacher and, and your colleagues, many of them were, were veterans, said like, oh, we need you to run this department. So I want to talk about like your early entry into education. You said you wanted to be a teacher when you were, you know, since you were 15. And that's when you realized, you know, leading a classroom was part of the, you know, um, envisioning that you had for yourself and the impact that you had. So I want to talk about like that, because for me, all of this is really about leadership. We're talking about teachers. We're talking about, and we're talking about dope, effective teachers. It's about leadership, you know, at the end of the day. And if we can couch it that way, we can understand like just the the complexities of leadership, but also the impact. So talk about that entry point where people, you know, one, what inspired you as a 15 year old? Because we want to tap into that and share that with our, um, you know, uh, Freedom School apprentices. But then also what what were you doing that made colleagues and veterans um, on your team say, yo, we need sis. <laughs> this is a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the real. So, so when I was 15, I wanted to be, before I was that, I wanted to be a lawyer and I interned for a congressman in New York. I won't name names, but suffice to say as like a teenager, I could see the corruption. Mm. And I was real clear. I was like, somebody going to offer to buy my mama a house and it's going to be a wrap. Like I'm going to get caught up. And so I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do it. But also, um, when I paused and thought about who was in in that moment saving my life, it was my teachers. Mm. You know, I'd I'd grown up in a predominantly black and Hispanic, what we would say in New York, Hispanic neighborhood and was bused to white schools. And so I had the, I was taught that like smart people, like you got to go to the white space to be smart. Mm. But my high school, I went to Brooklyn Tech, shout out to Brooklyn Tech. My, you know, it, it made me who I am. 
it was a third black, a third Asian, and a third a mix of everybody else. And it was, you know, one of the schools where you have to get take a test to get in. Right. And it was a public school. So I was surrounded by black academic excellence where you didn't have to choose between being black and smart. And we were in a multiracial setting. So you had to learn how to work with people who were different from you. But people weren't looking at you and thinking that you weren't, you couldn't do the work. So when I started teaching and there's this whole language around how black students weren't smart, I was like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. Mm. (laughs) That wasn't my experience. Mm. And also, you know, what, what is it? Let's stop sending black kids to white spaces to get a good education. We don't need to do all that. So for me, having teachers who cared about me made me want to teach. Fast forward to uh, my my early years uh, of teaching, and it was actually my principal. So I was a department chair my first year of teaching. When I tell you this was nutty, this was nutty. <laughs> my first year. But what I know in that moment that when I was in high school, I was senior class president, captain of debate, and I love leadership. Like if I think about leadership as like you do what you care about, you take responsibility for what you care about. I was doing that in high school. And it wasn't that like I was doing it to get into college. I was doing it because I I was interested. So I knew that he saw leadership skills in me, but I also know the politics. The department at the time was all men who were pushing back. And so I think there was a little bit of like, let me hire this sister. Cause you know, I came to an interview. I just, we just gonna keep it 100. I had the relaxer, I had the pearls. I was, you know, I was fresh out of college. I was like right, trying right, to do right. the, the teacher look. So uh-huh. I, there's a little bit of bait and switch, like who he thought he hired. And uh-huh. he hired. <laughs> you know, I might've got my hand right way in time. Get in that door. <laughs> you ain't got to wait a four, four all the time, right? at the Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, so I understood immediately. I, it took, you know, that while I, he saw leadership skills in me, there was also po- politics involved. Mm. And so my job, was to stay true, to be honest, and stay focused. And so the, the the gentlemen that I got to lead those first few years are still dear friends of mine today because that was a role, that was a hierarchy that a system put together. That wasn't the work. So I had the title. So what do I do? I, my job is to use my position to get the work done. So I'm not gonna be people's go-between. I'm not gonna, you know, hate on administrators or double cross teachers. I'm going to like do what I do, which is being a bridge builder. So I'm, you know, I'm a proud member of generation X, you know, after the boomers, before the millennials. And I always say like, we're the bridge builders. People forget about us, but we brought you hip hop and the internet. So get into it. Right. <laughs> so for That's me, right. that you role, tell them. You better tell You better tell these people was up. We still holding the world together today. Speak on it. With right? these crazy people before <laughs> us and after us. You better tell these people who's running things. I see a hand in the second row. That's right. That's right. Hey, so, hey, 1983 is in this building, though, fam. We're not about no, to we'll just... No, uh, we'll talk. <laughs> we all work together, you know. I'm a geriatric millennial. That's the name they call us. So You're an exennial. Yes. Yeah. Ger- they call it geriatric. I, I'm geriatric. Wow. That's mm-hmm. the, it's mm-hmm. a term. Who makes okay. these terms? Some white person. You know, I'm going to mute myself again before I get mad. Geriatric, my ass. Anchor, what's up, what's up with your facial expression? You, you look like you got something to you, say. You look right? like something happened. Like, uh-huh. who done it? What happened? Who done it? I just wanted you to expand on this teacher look. Oh, yeah. okay. 
So again, this is 1995, right? So, you know, there's a there was a way that so and I'm also coming from the East Coast to the West Coast. Right. But there was a way that the the you know, I, I the, the dress, the way you showed up, the performance of teaching. Right. I felt a particular expectation of when even when I was in the interviews of how I needed to look. So. You know, again, we look now in the 21st century and between social media and so many other things, we get a way to express ourselves. It's very different. But back in the 90s, we're doing this balancing act of the emergence of black culture in media in music and TV and all, you know, like if you think about the 90s, it was a very black decade in many ways. <laughs> and for me, I knew that I had to negotiate what was true to who I am and what was expected of me. So that look involved any number. I mean, you know, the, like I said, the pearls, having my hair a certain way, wearing certain dresses. And then once I showed up, I realized I couldn't actually do my job mm. if I wasn't me. And so I got very clear that that got me in the door and now my job is to do me. And so that look became, that look shifted because I had to be true to who I am. But I would offer that much of what we were doing in the 90s and early 2000s ushered in what you see today. Because at the time, literally, we were having arguments over whether or not teachers could wear jeans, whether students could wear hats, whether they could wear hoodies. But we would take students on field trips to Google where folks were in shorts and T-shirts playing ultimate on the front lawn. And the, and the students would look at us like, why are you sweating me about this hoodie? And you tell me I need to grow up and look like these Google people, but look what they're doing, right? So the politics, the respectability politics were front and center. And what I've realized is that when you know who you are, it, I was talking to my best friend about this. It's like, when do we dress up? Do we dress up for other people or do we dress up for ourselves? We'll dress up for a conference. I'm just saying like this, we'll dress up for a white conference and not necessarily for a black conference. But then you get to that black conference and people are suited and booted. And that's sometimes about respectability and sometimes about wanting to have beauty when we see each other. So this is my long answer, but suffice to say, as I, as I got closer to um, coming into myself, because this is the early 20, I was 22, I was a baby. Well, you know, like I said, I grew up in Brooklyn and I got grown in the Bay. <laughs> yeah, no, the reason, the reason why I asked to clarify is because uh, I, I gave a speech to my staff the other day and I let them know that there will be no more code switching for me. I'm showing up as who I am, as my authentic self. If yes. you don't like it, you don't have to work here. So that's yeah, my energy. I just want to say, like, um, you know, a lot of us were tucked that way growing up, mm-hmm. right? Like you dress a certain way for church and, you know, uh, fake it till you make it. And how, you know, 90 percent of everything is how you show up. And we had these things drilled into us and this things that, you know, what it took to get a job. The 90s was very much a look a lookism type of decade. And California had it in noodles. <laughs> I remember this. There was a way to be ostracized from people just for looking the wrong part for where you were and whatnot. That has all loosened up, thank God, in some ways. However, in schools and in classrooms, as an aging Gen Xer, I'm going to say some of y'all taking it too far. 
<laughs> Some of y'all going too far the other direction. Some of y'all need to remember what it was like to put a crease in your pants every now and then uh, to make sure that there was a shine on your shoes. Make sure. I remember the first time somebody came and visited me with a crumply T-shirt uh, to a job interview, and I about fell out my seat. I was about, do you know? How, I, I'm about like, I'm like, in my mind, you got really good skills. I'm hiring you and firing you right now in my mind at the exact same time, uh, uh, at the same time. But I hate to sound like the old dude, but you do. Uh, uh, you do. You know, you do. You know, and you are. <laughs> you go. You go to some. You go good. Well, thank God for that shit. You know, when a, when a when a person of color gets old, you have to like praise that. You have to be for like sure, celebrate sure. that in a country yeah. like ours. But you visit some schools, and you know we have another generation of teachers coming down the pipe who have, I think, adopted something that I I am not recognizing yet as being legit yet, right? Like, And I think Gen Z teachers are going to be a real interesting situation in the classrooms, right? Um, they don't finish sentences. They do up talk, you know, that up talk thing. And, you know, they, they, they pants a little tight. They like, they, 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 I, 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 anyways, I disavow, I disavow everything that he you, just said. You, don't, you don't even have to disavow. Like Chris starts out and it's a great, there's a great salient point in there. And then he just keep going. And then he is old man yelling at the cloud. Like, get off my lawn. Get they off got these my tight lawn. jeans. No, no, no. Not even get you, off my lawn. Crackheads on my lawn. Look, That's what talk, I'm singing. You Crack just told people to put lawn. a crease in their jeans. You said put a crease <laughs> in your jeans. I do want to say. Do you I do want want in their pants too? In my, own, well? in my own defense, bro. I said you should know how to do that sometimes. <laughs> we got people that don't know how to run a washing machine. We know we got grown people now who do not know how to run a uh, who who somehow get to 22 and don't know how to do some but of the stuff this, we all learn to do. I think Go ahead, Go ahead like, Dr. Moses, it, please get in there. Please. But it's time, it's time, place and manner. Right. And so I think about like dressing for flights. Right. There's a time I showed up. Oh, I showed up to see my dad in Florida. And I was just like, I'm going to see my dad. Like, I'm just have on clothes. And he's like, you flew like that? And I was like, I was supposed to dress up to sit on a plane. Right. But what I noticed is when I started traveling for for business, when I when I would come from the meeting or come from the conference and I had on my professional clothes, I got a very different reaction in the airport from everyone, right? Mm. And so when I say it's like time, place, and manner, it's just, to me, it's about being strategic and intentional. It's not an either or, because there's a time when I'm like, oh, I'm wet. like, there are times when I need to talk to funders and I'm like, I gotta get this money. And so I'm gonna look this part in this meeting for this funder because I don't want any confusion as a black woman. I've gotta, I gotta help you see- Strategy. Truth. Right. There are other times when I'm I'm like, we already understand what's going on. So let me be comfortable. Right. But I feel like that time, place and matter is lost because folks take it as a one shot, one size fits all. I'm either always this way or that way. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, like I, I think code switching, the, the problem of code switching is that it, it, it is that external thing. Right. But we all have different clothes in our wardrobe. Right. So when I hear you say you're not code switching anymore, kudos, because you don't need we're past that. But me deciding today, I feel like looking like this for this purpose today, I feel like, you know, like even the way we're speaking, if you listen, are we code switching or are we just chopping it up? Do we you sound I mean? different depending on the comment? 
Right. Well, look, I mean, we're in this conversation now. Uh, I, I think I, as what started off as a joke has turned into like an actual conversation. I, I like it. I like it both ways. I think that um, there when I was coming up, when I saw people in suits, they just did not wear them well. It was these white cats and the suits was too big or whatever. But it was. But when I saw a black dude that showed me how a suit supposed to fit and took me to get my measurements done and like show me how to stand up, show me that I'm supposed to unbutton, you know, you unbutton the breast when you sit down, things like that. Like, then I was like, oh, I like this suits joint. Like I like being able to do both. Last week, y'all got to see uh, Ray's uh, Louboutin uh, collection. I like I like Lou's, right? Like I like it with a, a suit that, that fits perfectly and some nice shoes because it's the, again, they don't show us fly. Like we come from fly ass people, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, I, and so I think it's a bit of both, you know what I'm saying? I think there's a way to do sweats and jeans and Tim's and all that stuff that people need to see. And I also think that like, and, there is a time when it's appropriate to like, you know, step it up. And people always misuse this. I'm going to let Sharif can talk to you more on the Muslim side. I'm going to talk to you on the, on, on the Christian side, though. It says, because this always happens in church, they be like, take you as you are. But like, yeah, we want you to come in as you are. But at some point, right, they're expecting you to kind of grow into something and be like an example for other people. And I would say that with teaching, like come as you are. But we have firm expectations that you will get much better at what you do and you will continue to grow. And I think that when we talk about being fly, when we talk about being on brand and on code and all this stuff, it's not just us being flipping and wild. It's like there's a, a combination of being really good at what you do and looking good while you're doing it. And I think that we do it in a certain type of way, but we need to call that out and, and, and show and show that love. And I'll give it up to the to the HBCU cats. I think that's a big thing in HBCU culture and in Greek culture. Like when it's time for them to show up and look good, they're not playing games with that. And I appreciate that pit, that bit of that uh, of that culture. I really truly do. Like you can tell. You can tell a, a Morehouse dude anywhere on the damn planet, right? And there's something dope about that. So I, I, I like this. This conversation started as a joke, uh, and Chris yelling at the at the at the damn ceiling, and and Ray like giving him a hard time. But I actually think it turned to like a really important talk. So yeah, I'm glad I mean, y'all opened always, that up. Yeah, it was always complicated for me, right? Like you know, as somebody who didn't even have a a suit or a tie, you know, till I was you know grown, right? Like and and I remember. Uh, someone, even when I became a principal, I remember someone telling me more than once, like black principals, when I would show up to like meetings and I was not suited and booted and they were like, young man, come here, let me talk to you. You need to, you know, why don't you have a suit on? You know? And I was just like, oh, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I don't have one and y- y'all look uncomfortable, you know? Like, so I would always have that kind of response. Um, and I also remember them you know, some of the same uh, folks talking to uh, some white teachers who, and they were like, don't show up to our school looking like that to teach our kids. Show them that they are, that you, uh, that you love this place or that you believe in them. Or, I forget exactly how they termed it, but they were like, how are you dressing? You're, you're acting a little slovenly, like you don't care about, about them. Show up like, you know, uh, dressed as if they are the most important person you're going to be in front of. And so I would see both of these kind of, you know, conversations, you know, clashing both as a as a new teacher, young and like, you know, like uh, Misha talked about. And then later when I became a principal and the old heads were like, 
yo, as soon as somebody comes in the building, they should automatically know who the principal is based on who how they look. I was like, man, I'm always failed that test. Like, you know, what I mean, that just was I, I couldn't pass that test. I just couldn't do it. Mm. Well, you yeah, see, you got to jump in. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna jump. So, because I wanted to make a connection, I know we're talking about like aesthetics, but I also want to make a connection to teaching. And and when I think about and hear from Black teachers, to me, this is also a conversation of authenticity, Mm. right? Because there are times when I want to dress up. Who doesn't want to dress up sometimes? And dress up means different things. Stop it. <laughs> here's, but here's what I'm going to no, say. No, I look, look, I got this fly Senegalese joint, man. That's Every my time point. I feel You dressed up. Man, that's my, that's my thing. You know that's what I mean? That's my point. So, like, yeah. like, dressing up, we know when we're stepping Anchor, up from no, no, our no, regular no. game. And COVID has messes, got, gotten everybody confused. But we know when it's like, here's a special occasion. Whatever we define that as, mm-hmm. let me go ahead and, and get that Senegalese fit, right? So... I, I think it's important not to equate that dressing up or that leveling up with necessarily Eurocentric attire. Exactly. And so when we think about black teachers, part of what I hear from teachers that's that's necessary, the way I want to connect it to, to what we're talking about is my my leveling up may not fit your construct of what leveling up is but I know what it is, mm-hmm. right? So I might have this unit or this fantastic activity that's going to get to the outcome. It just may look different and trust and know that that Senegalese fit and that suit, when I feel, you know what I mean? When I feel good in what I'm wearing, I'm going to perform differently. Absolutely. I think for a lot of teachers, the, the, the tension is that you're not letting me do me. You're not, you want, you know, it's like you want my black body in the room, but you want me to just do what everybody else is doing just in black skin. But if you actually knew what I had to offer, like we talk about every child deserves a black teacher. The reason why we say that is because we know the the insights that black people, black teachers have. Mm. We have figured out how to be successful in a system that was designed to destroy us. So you can't tell me if I've jumped through whatever your hoops are and I'm sitting here in your school, did I need to just... perform the way everybody else performs. And you certainly need to not tell me to tell my kids to jump through the same hoops in the same way, because otherwise we're just, we're we're feeding the system. Mm. We're helping it grow. And so to me, this, this idea of us expanding this notion of excellence, of beauty, Mm. of high level, of being on point and, and, you know, Putting that flavor on it. That's right. Tailor made Senegalese outfits, bro. You know I mean, Ray, <laughs> yeah. Ray talking Ray, trash. I'll, to the I'll, I'll go after Ray. Ray yeah, trying to jump person. in. I, I didn't so want to jump in. Jump in front of Ray. Nicole, you yeah. It's all good. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> so, 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 real quick, right? So, shout out to Kip Newark, right? And so, the reason why I'm shouting out Kip Newark and their network is because I used to go sure. and I used to, no, no, no. Uh, I, used to visit, right. I used to visit their schools, right? And, and at the time that I was visiting their schools, it was a uh, majority um, white teachers, mm-hmm. um, but they were teaching predominantly African-American students. And they would just show up. They would have cut up jeans, T-shirts, whatever, right? But at the end of the day, those kids at Kip Newark were outperforming everybody in the city, right? And so, like, even though we could sit and we could fixate on 
what folks were coming and wearing to work, at the end of the day, it really didn't matter what they were wearing to work because they had built connections with those kids and those kids were now performing in a manner in which outperformed other schools uh, with, with, with similar teachers. And so it, ma- it makes me think like, you know, having a dress code in school is kind of archaic thinking, right? Like people should be able to show up as their authentic selves. And as long as they're comfortable in their skin and they're building rapport with teachers, I mean, I'm sorry, they're building rapport with the students. I I, 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 I kind of err on that side, right? Like I'm all about results, right? And so I don't think that you showing up in a suit is going to get you results. You could come and you could be the flashiest kappa and the trashiest kappa teacher. No, no. Why you gotta use them as an example? I was like, wow. (laughs) He's shooting. He's shooting. I I was trying to show Greek solidarity. He's shooting. Listen, I'm not Greek, so it don't bother me. But we got your back, Ray. Um, but but I was even going to say though, I, I but I think there's a few you things. Just, your head with but, you, but you know what though, I was I, I I actually has a rebuttal. But you was talking about teachers. I was because I remember doing community work in a district, and I do remember black parents were actually we got more black parents wanted their kids' schools to have uniforms and dress codes than not mm. because it just made it life just easier. Like it just made things easier, and there was just you know a sense of pride like kind of taken in that piece, you know what I'm saying? So I think, um, but I, but I I think that, but I I think you need all of it. I think that a black hands is actually a really good example. I think the four of us have very different styles. And I think that there is something for a black kid from any of us, you know what I'm saying? When they come, you know what I mean? Like, cause there is, I remember the Afrocentric kid, right? He was a Muslim cat and he used to come and he was selling incense at school and we'd be in the middle of class and he would just start doing pushups on his knuckles. I didn't want no issues. I didn't know what was going on. You know what I'm saying? He's like, <laughs> like why are you doing pushups on his I have no, listen, I don't know what's happening. I just read Malcolm X. I don't want no smoke. I'm going to church. Uh, but I think that him seeing somebody like Reef is like really empowering. I think, you know what I'm saying? I think Chris is the old cat that's just chilling and like kind of is comfortable. He is just going to be comfort over everything, kind of like Reef, but Reef shit going to be super baggy and not and, and be like a parachute. But it, it is what it is. I, and I think Ray dresses really nice. And I think I dress nice. And I think we just have different styles. But Everything that like we just cover a lot of different bases, and I think the same should be true for black for black ladies as well. You know what I mean? Like they need to see different hairstyles. They need to see the natural. And if you and if you want to straighten it, then that's on you. Then then do that. If you want to have braids, do that. Like you need to see different versions of yourself because there isn't one thing that's gonna work. And here go the other thing, right? There was a teacher that was super dope in my in my school that would get fitted and we would ask him about it. And he'd be like, well, I'm showing up for y'all. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I get dressed up for other people. This is what it is. But then there was also the super cool like football coach that everybody liked that would be in like, the, you know, the sweats and the sweatsuits. But his sweatsuits was dope. You know what I'm saying? He had a dope, he had a dope shoe game. Both of those cats got a lot of love. I guess what we're talking about, about black teachers and why everybody needs a black teacher is there's something a part of you to offer to people. And and I'll just close on this. Jerry Maguire is one of my favorite movies because I thought that dude was so fly. Like, like I wanted to be a sports agent. And on the worst day of his life, he had a V cut. I remember he had a V neck shirt on with a blazer that was hella expensive. Getting on the plane, going to his beach house. Right. Like that was the worst day of his life. I'm like, this white man's worst day is better than my best day. But if I would have had. Black folk, if I would have had Rich Paul that I could look at as a as a juxtaposition, I might be 
that's that might be what I'm doing today. You see what I'm saying? Like, so that's why that stuff is super important. Show all the sides of you and be honest with young people so they don't that don't let them just see the facade because young people don't know it's the facade. They don't know that you just doing the thing that you got to do. Right. And they'll, they will discount it and be like, well, I don't belong in that. I'm not that type of guy. I'm not that type of gal. And they won't go for those things. So show your full self in an appropriate way. So people can see themselves reflected. Go ahead, Mish. Well, it goes back to that authenticity and I'm going to keep linking it to teaching because I feel like, you know, we're having this conversation on, on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Our, who, well, who is our authentic self? My, my authentic 22-year-old self is not my authentic 48-year-old self, mm. right? Like, so my, but my job is to have knowledge of self, to continue to sit with myself, sit in silence, understand who I am, how am I growing? So that the person that shows up, whatever I'm wearing, whatever's on the outside, sometimes I got to dress up to make it through the day. Like when you talk about that was the worst day of his life, you know, like sometimes and there are other times, you know, so so for me, when I think about black teachers, we are pushing for authenticity because the the system that we have come up in and that we are charged with teaching in strips us of our authenticity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Sharif, you talked uh, or maybe maybe Charles, but this idea of like you got to do more than just show up as black. Right. Yeah. So we say in the Black Teacher Project, that's like, that's that's step one. I'm not going to argue with you about whether, you know, a lot of people ask us, well, I'm this, I'm that, can I come? And I'm like, it's the Black Teacher Project. When we say Black <laughs> Lives Matter, do you think they talk about you? Mm. Black Lives Matter, is that you? Right? Like, I'm not trying to debate your Blackness. I'm not trying to police your Blackness. What I am going to say is that- What they say, have, like, I'm one-tenth Black. I don't, I don't you know, identify with them except now when they be in your space. I, like, how that, they- you know, it's, 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 the, it's that sometimes it's, you know, within, you know, if folks are biracial, there's a lot mm-hmm. of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, and depending on how people look and the experiences they've had. So folks mm-hmm. who might be lighter skinned, who might've grown up in predominantly white spaces will sometimes look to black affinity as a way to process all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so Rachel Dolazar and, uh, and Sean King, they come to you. No. Yeah. So we had Rachel in the meeting just a couple of weeks ago. See, I be knowing. I be knowing. I wish you would. No, don't start with me. No. You know, you know what the funny thing is, and and I'm so glad Chris ain't here because Chris knows her. Like Chris knows her personally, right? I'm not mad at if if, if Rachel just said she was white, like. I'm good with whatever Rachel does after that. Like, I think actually Rachel was doing some good stuff for the black folk. Now, Sean King, if listen, if I die, don't let that that cat nowhere near my name. I don't want it. I don't want him to raise bread off of it. I'm just just because it's like, yo, like, but but I, I think that's the thing, though, man. Listen, man, fam, I'm gonna say it. It ain't. It's not apro. It's it's, it's apro pro. It's not. But it's the truth. And my black, my people, our people have been saying this for the longest. And y'all know what I'm about to say. Everybody want to be a nigga. Nobody want to be a nigga. And the point that I'm making is there's a coolness factor, right? There's a factor of people want to like the way we dress, the way we walk, the way we talk, how we speak, all that stuff. The culture, TikTok, not the humanity. TikTok can't exist without black folks doing what they do. Even in our show, in our space, there wasn't a whole bunch of education shows talking about education the way that we did, introducing stuff and just having or arguing or going back and forth or like being ourselves. And then people saw some black folks do it. They let us be the first man in the door to get shot. 
And now everybody is like super authentic in their shows. And I'm not mad at it. Right. Just, you know, but as the, as the first trendsetters, you get shot and you don't get your love. So give us our damn respect. Hey, the mother, the mother shows is trash. That shit is trash. Wow. I did wow. violence, right? I'm He's choosing violence. Like, you know. yeah, I was like, I was I like, want a button. Is, I want a button. That's what I want on this stuff. Like, what button you want? I will, I will, like I will, a I will make disagree button. Do you want that? I will, I will make that for the next show. I will yeah, I have yeah. paddles and sound effects. I got you. But Go this ahead, is Beecher. the thing what y'all are talking about is one of the things that we, one of our core values is honoring the diversity of blackness. And I had to unpack that because, you know, I was like, oh, that's that's important because I'm like, there's no one way to be black. Right. And there's parameters for us. Right. So if your politics are harming black people, then no, you can't come to the meeting. Right. At the same time, when we think about, for example, like when we talk about um, the 90s. Right. So I go to college in the 90s. I'm going I want to be a teacher. You know, I'm, I'm excited to teach. One of the things that I recognize that it being in black affinity is the 90s that had this beautiful black cultural moment. It's also known as the gay 90s. So as somebody who came out in 1991 as a lesbian, I'm navigating this black space, this queer space. And, you know, it's what, not, was like, it's, what was that like in 91, Misha? What was, in 91, what was that like? One no Queen Latifah. Wasn't no Wanda Sykes. Oh, did, y'all know about Queen. Okay. But wasn't no Wanda Sykes, right? Like, what? Yeah, no- you, you didn't just out her. Yeah. Let's, okay, good. I was like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a poorly kept secret. Go ahead. Okay, good. Right? Let me so, give you the whole screen for this part. <laughs> but this notion of, like, at that point, you know, we didn't have as many letters. So just being gay, lesbian, bisexual at that point was a white thing. And, and, and so, this notion of the diversity of blackness, we're talking generational, right? For example, generational diversity, whether you're talking about sexuality, gender, like all of these things, class, like let's really get into it. We talk about some class differences, right? And so when we're talking about black affinity or we're talking about black teachers, there is no one way. Now to Charles's point, the, the culture that gets deemed as black culture is specific. It is very specific. And I, what I am hoping that as more people decide, more black people decide to go into teaching is that we continue to expand our notion of who gets to be black and who gets to define black culture. Because for example, um, what is it? Should we, John? Yeah, most, most of. <laughs> right, so this is a Philadelphia thing, mm. but now everybody's saying it. And I'm like, I'm not from Philly. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> right. Hey, can you tell Ankrum to stop either. saying that, Misha? Can you tell Ankrum to stop saying it? I mean, he's using it wrong. Then he be I all mean, like, "That's haram." He don't no, know what he talk about. I, I, I won't say that because I don't want no smoke with the Muslim cats. I, I just know what it means. I, I just know what it means. You know I don't want that issue. Yeah. But like this diversity, I was like, can't we even have slight? Like when I moved to the Bay, it's hella and hecka. But from New York, it's mad. Like it's mad cold. But in the Bay, it's hella cold. Right. I understand that difference and I'm not trying to use the right. So it's, it's how do we understand the diaspora enough that we can just be black in so many different ways? We don't all have to be black in this particular way. And I think it starts with black teachers to your point. I need coach. I need suited and booted principal. I need the, the, the black teacher with the uptalk that drives me crazy, but there's somebody 
who, who, who sees themselves. Absolutely. But I need that black teacher with the uptalk to have the consciousness of the black teacher in the dashiki. You understand mm. what I'm saying? Like, I, like, I'm not saying we all have to agree on everything, but we have to understand, we have to have an analysis of how the system we are in is designed to continue to oppress us, to oppress us and what we need to do about it. We're all not gonna do the same thing. Mm. But if what you say is, I wish these kids would just do what I did, mm. they just need to pull up their pants and study, you're missing the point, right? And so to me, when I think about the Black Teacher Project, when, I, when we say every child deserves a Black teacher, the person who's gonna teach in Kansas, in rural Kansas, because people in rural Kansas need a Black teacher. Absolutely. That's not the person that's teaching in Bed-Stuy. You are not, and, and a good teacher for rural, like this whole notion of the universal good teacher, come on now. Like, I'm not, I'll make it happen, but I don't know if I'm the good teacher for rural Kansas, because my authentic self would be suffering. So how can I truly show up for my students? So I just want to like, I feel like this conversation we're having, whether we're talking about dress, speech, we're talking about keeping it real and being our authentic selves and allowing enough of us to do that where we can be like, dad, there's all kinds of black people, mm. right? I don't have to fit in this box to, to actually get ahead to quote unquote, be successful. I saw that in the comments earlier. So I love this, the diversity of y'all because it's clear, you don't agree on everything, but the love <laughs> and the clarity is at the center. And yeah. if we keep black love at the center, we're gonna be all right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and the clarity about the 8 million black children, right? Like, and so if you're entering the educational ecosystem and you are not confused, you know your assignment, then you can ban with, you know, and, and we have to be, when you talk about authenticity, we have to have a, a deeper understanding of our roots, right? The continent is vast and wide. And got everything from the Serengeti to the, you know, to the Sahara to the not like it, it's like just so just crazy different and a continent of black folks. Right. Like, mm -hmm. it's, but sometimes we get into this. Oh, I want to I want to create a box, you know, and I want to label it and you have to be in this um, one particular way. Look, we're going to roll into uh, closing thoughts. Uh, Misha, we're going to save you for last. Um, mm -hmm. And we're gonna um, go ahead and jump in again. We really appreciate you being here, um, Anchor. You want to start us off, bro? We'll do. And so, so my closing thoughts are, are, are very simple. I want to put uh, uh, my thoughts and prayers out to the folks in New Orleans that are mm -hmm. experiencing uh, Hurricane Ida. Just got a uh, a, a picture of uh, Ashner Hospital in Kenner, Louisiana. And that's the hospital that's uh, housing a lot of folks. And we know that, you know, a lot of these hospitals in Louisiana are over capacity because these right. dumbass people won't get uh, vaccinated. Um, and the roof is, is is off in certain wings of, of the hospital. And so, you know, this has like a Katrina-esque feeling um, and I just want to make sure that anybody that's watching this, that's watching the show, that's New Orleans or New Orleans adjacent, uh, we love y'all. We're praying for y'all. And um, I, I put out a tweet earlier. Any uh, any schools in in New Orleans that uh, that that don't come through this uh, with their building intact, anything that you guys need, hit me up. And uh, and and and, I, and my school is definitely going to sponsor some schools down in New Orleans. So. That's what's up. That's what's up. Mm. Cole? Yeah, man. Uh, one, just Misha, just thank you uh, for being here. I, I, I just think you're brilliant. I, th I call you a, a young legend. I think that you have so much more amazing things to do. And just shout out to Jamoke for 
just being the type of cheerleader that she has been around you and your work. That woman loves you to death and uh, made sure that not only that we knew your name, but we knew your work and the, and, and the deeds that you left behind. I would just say, um, as far as black folks, man, you get to be, there's a collective of us around and, 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 you know, we're working on this piece around being on code that we all need to understand. And also you get to be an individual within that. Like you get to, there's no one way to be black. And uh, I wrote a piece in Huffington Post a long time ago. I'll try to post it, but um, I don't even know if they still got it up. But the point is, is that like for so long, there are probably so many kids and people out there that never thought that they fit, didn't see themselves be reflected. And then you hear somebody like Dr. Mosey talk about coming out in the 90s. She didn't come out like like last year. Right. Where it's like uh, you getting a boost in CD sales. Right. It's like it's a different like I feel like some people using it in a different type of way, but just. You know, there's a lot of different identities that people have and a lot of different looks that go with that. I think our community needs to see us in every possible way. It needs to see us being nerdy. It needs to see us being fly. It needs to be us being sexy. It needs to see us being tired. It needs to see all of those things. Um, we not one people. We're not a doll. We're not a plaything. And I think that a lot of times that's how this country tends to approach us. They approach us as the entertainment, as comic relief, uh, as the style guides, but then you don't get to benefit from a lot of those things. And so if we're talking about education and teaching again, you can be yourself. This is what I'm saying to people. You can be yourself. You can do those things. We want you to be authentic, but I also want you to be authentically good. I want you to be authentically good. I don't want you to have lower expectations for our black kids because of what they going through. Like I want you to have higher expectations because of what some of them might be going through. I don't want us to have a lower standard of people to think or perceive that we got a lower standard. Um, or we trying to give cats a break, man. Like we have brilliance in and around our community. And there are so many young folks. There are so many people that we just throw off into special education because they don't understand black people. They don't want to deal with that issue or whatever the case is. And special ed is needed for a lot of people, but we have a huge overdiagnosis problem for, for black kids. And, um, and, and if we had more of us that could see us and that was not judgmental and could like actually lead with love, we'd actually change that. You feel me? So that's what I think. Yes. I definitely aged myself. Jamoke. Um, I appreciate that. But Misha, again, Thank you so, so much for being here. I'm a huge fan. And if you need me on anything, just let me know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think the two things I wanted to uh, just include in my final thoughts were one, um, you know, one of my former students, one of my favorite uh, former students who is now a teacher, um, she she posted an op-ed in, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, um, you know, I think yesterday, and she really talked about whether she would um, be staying, whether she could complete the entire year. And, you know, it made me think of, of your student, uh, Belinda, um, Misha. So I'd love just to touch base with you offline at some point this week, just about, you know, how, what the best ways to support, um, you know, our sister Shayla. And many, you know, what she penned is what you hear a lot of, right? And so, you know, I'm looking forward to continuing to learn from the work that you're doing at the Black Teacher Project so that we can support um, our brothers and sisters who are in this space and recognizing that the educational ecosystem is not, you know, we can't be naive to think that growing up Black in America becomes different when you're in, a, in an educational setting. If it was oppressive as just being Black in America, it's going to be oppressive in um, the, the educational ecosystem, and we have to recognize that. Um, and then the second piece is, in, 
you know, Dr. Robert Simmons uh, posted this on the Philly Seventh Ward uh, uh, yesterday as well. 408 districts in Wisconsin. One said we're not given where one of these 408 districts opted out and said, you know what, we're not going to uh, get the federal uh, food program. We're not going to feed these children, even though 35% of them are at the poverty level. There's been an increase in poverty during the pandemic. And they said, we're opting out because giving children food in schools makes them spoiled. It spoils them. Um, it spoils the families. And they don't deserve to, to have food, like as a human being. They don't have the, the right to deserve uh, food. And so, you know, it's just like it's always something nutty, crazy, um, you know, with these folks who are in positions of power, um, but they're not more powerful than a united people. So may we continue to be united um, so that we can uh, continue to defend the rights and humanity um, of these black and brown babies. I'm going to ask Misha to give us her closing thoughts for this uh, this episode. We're take us home. Grateful for you to be here. We're a little over, but please take um, you know share with us your your wisdom again. <laughs> well, first, uh, uh, gratitude. Thank y'all for having me, um, and I'm I'm just so excited by the conversation we had, and and um, appreciate Charles and and Jamoke and that that initial. Um, connection years ago, uh, lifting up the work that we're doing um, with the Black Teacher Project. I think as we have evolved um, over these last few years, we are trying to stay focused on the goal, but respond to the context, right? Adrian Marie Brown talks about intentional adaptivity. And my mantra for several years has been commitment without attachment. And COVID has definitely taught, taught us not to be attached because the world mm. that we understood is so different. Mm. So I just say that, you know, whether it's folks who are in the classroom, young people who were trying to get interested in being in the classroom, understand why, why you're there. Understand that we, you know, I love this idea of being good descendants to our ancestors and good ancestors to our descendants. We have work to do, and it is not to be successful in an inequitable system. That is not what we're up to. We will be successful when we change the system. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just about getting kids into college or getting them college ready. It's getting them conscious and ready. It's giving them the knowledge and skills to actually create the change that we need to see in our society and in our communities. So it is my hope that we continue to have conversations like this, continue to have examples of the diversity and beauty and excellence of blackness so that our young people can understand. When we were, for many of us, when we were their age, there was no internet. Mm. So the world looked completely different. So we can't prepare young people for the world we're in now. We have to prepare them for the world that we want to see. So I thank y'all. I think this is a prime example of that. Thank you again for having me. And, you know, Let's continue to stay together and connected as we do this work. Appreciate it. Well, Absolutely. Some, 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 been, things uh, are, some things are a blessing because if I had internet, I'd be canceled. I'd be yeah. You'd be canceled by now. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're, we're happy that you're not. Listen, um, and to our audience, um, thank you as always for, you know, this has been a journey. We're on our 130th episode uh, wrapping up. And so really grateful of the community that you help us form, that you inform um, as well. Uh, just, you know, Chris had a uh, some technical 
technical difficulties. Um, and so that's why he ended up popping off. The internet hated on him because yeah. he was screaming at clouds. <laughs> You can't keep streaming at the clouds. The cloud gets mad. The cloud fights back. I told y'all, when you hit power, power hits back. You can't yell at the clouds. I don't know. It might be some old Cointel Pro. They are always coming after <laughs> after our, our folks anyway. And technology is another avenue for them to get us. But good looking now. Thanks again, Dr. Mosley. And we will be in touch with you. And um, we'll continue to put in the, in the chat your uh, your website so people can follow you. And hopefully we get one of your stand-up uh, comedy shows that we can uh, do as well, so. The cloud took me out. I would love that. Hey, listen, if you, if you, when you get the Carolines on Broadway, just hit me and I will come through, no problem. Hey, and Misha, set up something, set up something in, in, in your hood in New York. I'll come out that way. Okay, I mean, you know. Way out there, it's nothing. I'll come that way, it's nothing. That's what's hey, up. Charles, I'm in, I'm in your room right now. This is the guest room. I'm with it. It's all good. I'll take that, brother. I'm, I'm, my, my cousin lives in New Jersey in that area, too. So we, we need to make it make it happen. I'm with it. Hey, all man, right. y'all are beautiful, man. Do, do your thing, Ray. Get us up out this thing. All right. So you guys have been listening to another episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast produced by Cherise uh, with our special guest, Dr. Mosley. We out of here. See you next week. Peace. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast. With Ankrum, Cole, Elmecki, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.